Welcome back, though, Decadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan as Magrim. You're most welcome. Matt as Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. And me, Paul, as the guy who's just winging it today. I'm not kidding. I have nothing written down. (laughs) Go join our Discord. (laughs) Yeah, do it. Don't forget, we have a Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) We do. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. You can get bonus content uh, at our Patreon. You can see our character sheets, and you can check out our wiki. And if you become a patron, you'll get a little bonus gift from us to you. We haven't said that one for a long time. But it's still true. But, <laughs> but it's We're working on an episode of just Paul's burps that we cut. Yes. That's the gift. That's, that's in the future for your patrons. Yes, it is. Um, also, don't forget to just uh, share our podcast with the people that you know. Uh, you can go leave a rating and a review. Hey, share with people you don't know. Yes. <laughs> share with people that you We're don't know. We're looking for some everybody. proselyting door to door. Yes. That sounds that sounds fantastic. Um, but yeah, go leave a rating and a review uh, of the podcast wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out, helps people to find us. Anyway, if you and your posse ever took down a bunch of culturally insensitive baddies, including one guy who wanted you to bury me with my money then this podcast is for you it's chorus of the forsaken episode 17 That sounded like that was written. <laughs> okay, so that one was that. The ending was written. What game was that? It's called Sunset Riders. Hmm. It's one that actually it's it's from the Super Nintendo era, but it still holds up. It's still super fun. Paul and I played it at an arcade a couple weeks ago. Yeah, lots of fun. So it 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 holds up as a game, but culturally not so much. No, not, like not there's, even there's, close. There's a couple of uh, a couple of faux pas in there, but um, anyway, there's a really hot can can though. <laughs> <laughs> My character turned his back and put his hat down and blushed. My character had his hat in his hand. He's going woohoo, waving <laughs> you were, it in the air. <laughs> were you kneeling down at the front of the? At the front I was of the stage? kneeling at yeah, the front, yeah. waving my sombrero in the air. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Welcome back to Via Severia, to the city of Redlam. Last time we were together, our heroes had a meeting, not just with the Baron of all of Alaron Barony, but with his small council, the advisors who probably do more of the day-to-day running of the Barony than anybody else. There was a dwarven general named Cedric. There was a an older woman who was the chancellor named Eleonora. There was Thaddeus, the high priest of Torm, and there was uh, Sephora, the mistress of coin. They grilled our characters about the goings-on in Beregrad. Is goings-on an actual word? I say it all the time, and it kind of sounds weird every time I say it. Does it? It's charming. Oh, okay. Is that that what you wanted to hear? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
The characters were were grilled about everything that happened in Baragrath. There were a couple of chances for them to make specific checks, especially as the uh, the truth became a little bit more vague and lies started to flow as well as... I don't know about flow, trickle. Yeah, trickle. Okay. Uh, magic was very uh, clearly left out of the conversation, but after a couple of good rolls, um, our players were able to convince the small council as well as the Baron that uh, everything was legal and that there was no other shenanigans, no... Uh, no Nothing um, to put the Baron's claim on all of that sweet, sweet loot in jeopardy. Exactly. As well as um, that you all were not secretly a part of something more nefarious. But um, after you left the castle, you uh, sold a couple of things and you decided that tonight it's time to party. And that is kind of where we're at right now. It's the morning and you guys are all hungover. Wait, wait. Let me make a constitution saving throw. Yeah, I'm okay. going to make Constitution saving throw, yeah, too. Yeah, give us the chance. Okay. <laughs> Dirty 20. Dirty 20. Geek can handle his liquor. Morning got a 21. He's feeling good. Ooh, Sylvie got a 6. She's not doing well. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, Markham got a 19. I'm doing all oh. right, I think. Oh, my goodness. I'm a lot smaller than most of you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's yeah, so and, funny. And Ornan makes a living brewing his own alcohol, so... <laughs> All right, uh, I'm just moving you guys through the nebulous nebula of Nebulon. <laughs> Where did Sylvie go? Get back here. Get back here, I don't everybody. Know. <laughs> here, let me move you guys where you guys are supposed to go. All right. <laughs> did you say we're the nebulous nebula of Nebulon? <laughs> yes. All right, for everyone who's listening, I was moving tokens around on the map, and it's a very big map uh, of the Oaken Throne. It's all three for floors. everyone listening, is there other, other people around? <laughs> For anybody not listening, you should really be listening. Pay closer attention. <laughs> yes, we are back in the Oaken Throne. We are up on the third floor uh, in the bedroom with the two bunk beds. We have got Sylvie, Orn, and Magram, and Guy uh, all recovering from the night before. We'll say, Sylvie, with your terrible constitution save of six, we'll say you don't feel quite right. I'll say any physical skill check or combat role you know like to actually attack somebody or something like that um we'll say you'll do that with disadvantage for a couple of hours this uh this morning just because uh you celebrated a little bit too hard the night before so like the poison condition until you throw up yes basically that's honestly fair i'm young i've got to learn it's it's all good are you 21 oh yeah (laughs) are you are you old enough to buy alcohol I'm in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think there was a legal age here. I gave Kino mycelium meat all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's not a big deal, Dad. <laughs> You'd be such a square man. <laughs> Just a little sip here and there. Never hurt anyone. Well, here you are up in your room, waking up to the uh, the light shining through the window. Oh, well, I feel fantastic. Oh, God, shut that light. <laughs> but it's a beautiful morning. Um, Margram, could you distill that in a different room? Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing gets rid of a hangover faster. Oh, 
Oh my gosh. I, I imagine I imagine the smell is similar to when I was in a sauna and somebody decided to pee on the rocks. Is a dry oh, sauna. No. And it smelled so, oh, so good. bad. Oh, it was so bad. That person who is related to us will remain <laughs> nameless. <laughs> I'm hoping it was a child. Yeah, Bryson. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bryson. It was totally Bryson. It was Bryson. <laughs> it was not my twin brother, nor was it me. So, all right, here you are. You had some questions for me last night, and I don't think we ever got to them. Did you want to ask me now? I mean, uh, I, I was curious about the book in particular. You said that these names appeared in it and... Well, clearly this is something of a magical artifact, but I was just curious where you got it. What was the story there? So this is actually like a family's spell book. There was a family hundreds of years ago, maybe. I don't know how long ago they've... I haven't found any trace of of the Covington line that's kind of spelled out in this book. Would it possibly be between two and five hundred years ago? Maybe, I don't know. But this book, it was their their family spell book passed down to the generations. And I'm pretty sure they would use it for, you know, the next generation to to learn the spells of the previous. And uh, as you all know, I used to make a little bit of money helping people with Pahoftmas to escape persecution on my boat, you all know that I was um, last seen in Fisher's Landing. That That's actually where I got this book. I had, uh, I had arranged to ferry a woman and her children down the river to safety. And when I arrived at the meeting place, she wasn't there. So when I went to the docks to get to my boat, it was on fire. And, uh, as I was trying to get away and see if there was anything I could do for the person I was supposed to help escape, I came across some of their belongings, and this book was was among it. And I grabbed what I could, and yeah, that's that, this is that's how I that's how I found the the Covington family's grimoire. Hmm. Started reading it, and but this is the first time you've seen a name appear. Well, it goes back years, and, and honestly, you can see the, the language, the, the evolution of the language through the pages of this book, so it's some of it's very hard to read. I've only been able to understand probably the most recent four or five holders of this book have, have written in it and made their entries, and, and to go further back, just it's harder to understand. It takes me longer to kind of decipher, and uh, there was just a name... The other day, when my my book fell out of my fell off my belt and opened up, uh, there was a name that I very clearly recognized. Sometimes the the writing is hard to read because there's extra curly cues, or they they do their A with the thing on top instead of tail in the back. The S's look like F's. Well, yeah, when there's two in a row, the big F's for some reason. Yeah, yeah, double forte. Yes, the double forte. So. That's kind of the story of the book. As I started to read it, I started to understand some of it. And I think, I don't know, maybe I'm a wizard. Because I found that I was able to do some of the stuff that I've learned of in this book. 
So no insight check needed, Sylvie. He is not a wizard. <laughs> You're not a wizard. <laughs> How do you explain Prancival? As far as I can tell, Prancival was like the Covington family dog, and when it passed away to appease the children, they 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 created this spell to summon a magical construct version of the dog, and and now I've been able to do it as well. But as, from what I can gather, the Covingtons were a very wealthy family. Uh, and their their line goes back very far. I just have only been able to decipher so much of this book. But there are blank pages in it. And I've been able to add things to it on my own. For example, I can write messages to Dilar and he can respond. Because he wrote his name in this book. Should we reach out to Dilar and see how he's doing? Yes, I, I would love to see how he's doing and, and where they ended up putting him. All right. Anything you want to say in particular? Well, I think it would be good to know if he's safe, where he is. I don't know. Those are the two important things. All right. So I'll start writing in my book, and I'll say, Dear Dila, how are things, buddy? Are you safe? Is Prancival still cute? Ha ha ha. Of course he is. Please let me know if there's anything you need. Sylvie says hi. When you get the response back, does it appear in your book as writing? It does, yes. All right. Um, after a minute, uh, you are kind of staring at the page, and then this writing starts to appear. And it is, it's, it's, I'll say it appears in a childish hand, not like, not like my kindergartner trying to write letters, you know, <laughs> but you can tell it's not elegant or, you know, curly Q, cursive or anything like that. So it matches kind of the, it matches the the level of the person responding because technically they hear it in their head and they mm-hmm. respond in a, in, in, by speaking it, but it just appears to, to the receiver in written form. Yeah. What it says is, oh, hi, Sylvie. Prancifal's great. I love him. He snuggled all night long. Eliona says, we're leaving tomorrow. I don't know where. I'll share that message with everybody. And that's kind of how it works. I was actually debating on writing a message to this name to see if it can respond. This Draven Hartwood. It's worth a shot. You can see what happens. If he's alive, maybe he'll answer. I'm not sure if he's alive. We want him to necessarily know that you have this family's book. That's true. And honestly, I think it only works if they put their name in the book. So if this was just a name that is written down, it wouldn't work anyway. I mean, we can try it, but we might want to learn a little bit more about who who this Draven guy is first. Well, you pretty much know everything I know about this book at this point. Well, it is interesting. I I wish I had more insight that I could provide you when it comes to something like this book, but I don't know who this Draven individual is, nor do I know anything about this grimoire. Or about grimoires, broadly speaking. Uh, Perhaps when we find ourselves in the company of someone who is a little bit more studied in the arcane arts, perhaps we could inquire to to learn more. Well, there is the, the, what's it, the prolapsed archives? What's it called? The Prolian oh, Archive. Man. Ah, the Prolian. <laughs> oh my gosh. The Prolian Archive. I could. We could maybe. The Proletariat Archive. Yes, I could always go put in a request for information there. Maybe find something about about Draven Hartwood. I know our listeners, our listeners would love another Library Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple of years. They'd be fine with it. 
<laughs> but uh, I think we we said we wanted to go to the temple to the park to see the druids who have vacated the temple of Sylvanus. Yeah, figure out what's going on in the temple. Maybe it's related to the dreams. Ornin, when was the first time that you found out you could summon a ghost worm? Oh, well, I, I don't rightly know very much about it. I know that Ephos is there. I can kind of feel her around, bouncing around my noggin. But uh, the first time would have to be whew, maybe um, 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, around there. Back when I was part of the Vantorians. It's interesting. It was around a similar time frame for me, probably about 15, 20 years ago as well, when I started to discover certain uh, aptitudes. Yeah, me too. Sylvie's like, <laughs> what? She's, she's five. <laughs> I don't know much about Hephos. I just know that she's kind of friendly and she's kind of bouncing around in my noggin. I mean, she's not, like, physically inside my head, but I, I, I can feel her. Oh, thank God. I was <laughs> so hurt. <laughs> Thinking of a Paul Atreides sort of situation. Maybe turn into a sandworm eventually. Is that a Dune joke? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It totally is. <laughs> Maybe a listener might laugh at it. I, I, I was about to say, the urine must flow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. I finally figured out, honestly, the, the new clothes for Guy, because I didn't have any stipulations there, but it's basically Sting's winged underwear from the old Dune movie. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. 10 out of 10. That or um, Sean Connery's uh, bandolier. Xanadu? Oh. <laughs> no, it was, it was uh, Zardoz. Zardoz. <laughs> his, his speedo suspenders bandolier all in red with the big oh, knee-high boots. Oh, yeah. Neither of those are canon, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. Zardoz, I had forgotten all about this thing. <laughs> so you guys are going to go and try to find the druids in this park, the ones who are uh, no longer meeting in the shrine to Sylvanus. All right. As you guys uh, leave the Oaken Throne Inn, uh, you remember that the person you were talking to, the the halfling Orn that you were talking to a couple episodes ago, had mentioned a park that is over on the west side of town. They had said that it was in the Sweet Quarter. Um, the Sweet Quarter is kind of the south section of the city, so uh, not too far from the Oaken Throne Inn. And as you are talking with people about the city, uh, they mentioned that the, the park that they must be talking about is kind of over more on the uh, southwest side of town. Wait, did we want to wear our new clothes to this or are we staying not dressed up? Whichever you want. I think that we should try to look slightly different today, but I'm open to other thoughts. Orton's back in his regular clothes, but he's still wearing that, like, massive Shakespearean collar. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Then we'll stick in our regular Spl clothes. Splint armor with a huge collar. Oh, fantastic. It catches the gravy so nicely. <laughs> just Sorry, I got totally distracted by looking up pictures of Zardoz a moment ago. <laughs> there's this t-shirt that they market as the Zardoz closet cosplay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I love this t-shirt. And I'm sorry, I have to show it to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
my gosh. Uh, that's horrifying. I don't like that at all. I don't like it at all. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Uh, How is it that I can smell this t-shirt from here? (laughs) This is going to be great content for our listeners. I'm really sorry, guys. You know what? I can make the Uh, album art for this episode that picture. Oh no! Please don't! Oh no! Please don't! Perfect. Um, all right. So you uh, you find out where this park is, and it's fairly easy to find. It is this uh, green space between kind of some of the buildings. There's uh, uh, evergreen trees that are growing up. It's almost like a part of the city that just never developed, um, and it's kind of been left as a natural space uh, in this urban sprawl. Uh, as you get closer, you can see that there are some trails back in here. Um, you can see that it's not very large, like super large. It's probably about a 10-acre plot. That's... <laughs> what happened? I, I've been I've been wandering around the map, and I just went to one of the toilets, and there's a kid in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did you say excuse me? <laughs> I said, oh, excuse me. Your parents need to tell you to lock the door. <laughs> gosh. Probably uh, one of my kids. They don't even shut the door when they go. Oh, man. oh my gosh! <laughs> How come I can't see in there? Because uh, it's dark. Because I uh, so I'm trying to peek out the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys! Uh, let me move you over, so you guys can't mess with kids trying to go potty anymore. All right. Sorry. <laughs> there's this like ten acre park. There is uh, there's evergreen trees growing. There's bushes. It looks like there's been some care that has been uh, taken. There are some paths that have been worn just from people walking around back here. It has not been raining the last couple of days, but there's still a couple of mud puddles around. It's still a little bit soft ground, but the sun is actually shining today. Um, it's starting to get cold in the mornings. Um, and, uh, and then when the sun's shining, it warms you up a little bit, but it's still, it's still autumn. And so, uh, it's a nice brisk, uh, morning at this point, but you come back, uh, around, uh, some of the buildings and into this park. And as you're coming down one of the paths, you can see that, uh, in a clearing, it looks like there is some sort of a, a shrine, uh, that has been erected. It looks like it is, um, actually not new it may have been some sort of uh, a shrine uh, from ages past that was just kind of the city built up around it but it looks like there is um, a couple of stone benches sitting around it there's some green like leaves and ivy growing on it Um, and there's a circular platform and then there are these four obelisks that kind of pop up out of the ground around it and they're all covered with this ivy and on top of that circular platform there is this stone slab some kind of altar that also has some ivy growing on it it looks like it's been here for a long time and it's probably a place where people come and sit and enjoy the the wild enjoy the trees and the and the fresh air when you're in the city you can smell the city and as soon as you get into this park you lose that a little bit you can smell more of the trees and more of the grass the better smells Um, as you approach this altar you see that around the altar there are three figures interesting figures you see that there is this uh small uh halfling man he has what looks like some leaves in his hair but it's decoration it's like a headdress of some kind made out of branches and leaves that he is wearing on his head his clothing is made out of hide and leather he's got a trimmed goatee and brown hair 
probably in his late 20s. And he is this halfling man who is sitting at uh, a bench having what looks like a conversation with a very happy young black bear. Oh, this is the happiest bear I've ever seen. And a very <laughs> fat oh, hog. It's so cute. Ah! Oh, it's so I've got a very fat hog. <laughs> oh, oh, hey. uh, it looks like he is having this conversation uh, with this little black bear and this hog. And he sees you approach. As he sees you approach, the black bear looks over at you and then just kind of stands up on its you know, four legs and slowly starts walking away into the woods. The hog just kind of sits there next to this halfling man. Oh, there. Uh, he says, hello. Uh, can I help you? We're looking for a priest of Sylvanus. Oh, uh, a priest of Sylvanus. No, <laughs> well, I'm... <laughs> finally hitting puberty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sylvanus. <laughs> He's hung over from last night. Don't worry about it. He says, I am no priest of Sylvanus. I, though I do worship, um, I am, I am uh, Arnold, and uh, I follow Sylvanus. Oh, well, we'd heard rumors of uh, some priests that were hanging around this park here and then had abandoned the temple. Oh, uh, I, I wouldn't say abandoned the temple. I'd say kicked out of the shrine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ooh. who who would have kicked them out of the shrine? I'm sure you've noticed how odd things have been happening. I point to the pig. <laughs> oh, don't mind Hubert. He's he's harmless, and he pats the pig, and the pig kind of <laughs> sits there and just snorts. <laughs> what did I just name him? <laughs> Hubert. 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 <laughs> Hubert. <laughs> don't mind Hubert. He's harmless. No, it's uh, other things have been going on. Other, other creatures have been getting wild, and we've been trying to figure out why, and uh, we haven't been able to put our finger on what's causing it. But then we were kicked out of the shrine. Who, who kicked you out of the shrine? Maybe kicked out is the wrong word. Maybe, maybe the shrine is no longer safe is a better way of putting it. I get the feeling you're going to be really dodgy in everything you say. You're not a priest, but you worship. You weren't kicked out, but you kind of were. Like, straight answers, man. Okay, this is like an internal matter amongst followers of Sylvanus. So, all right, you want me to shoot straight? Fine. Sylvanus's power is not as... Sorry, I came off like a bitch. We want to help you. All right, Sylvanus's power is not as powerful as it used to be here. He's losing his power in his own sanctum, Okay. It's not something I like to talk about. None of us do. Interesting. Is there a reason why that would happen? Yes. It's difficult, okay? Sylvanus is the god of the wild and of nature, correct? But what is happening is not natural. It's wild, but it's not natural. Do you understand the difference? Wild, but unnatural, yes. Okay. Okay, so you're with me. All right. In the Shrine of Sylvanus, as we were there trying to appease Sylvanus, gain insight and gain his power to help hopefully bring a balance and bring a more natural wildness to all of the fauna in Aleron, we were forced out by something deadly and dangerous. 
dear me. What was it? You know, the last time I heard a story kind of like this with the, the god of nature losing power, it actually was a robot down below the earth in an ancient facility siphoning his power to free his robot people. That sounds terrifying. It sounds heartwarming. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it's a bedtime story we read to kids sometimes, and it's Crystal Codex. <laughs> that was my favorite <laughs> growing up. I had all the action figures. And where do you go from there, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Sylvanus, his shrine has been corrupted by the wild, by the unnatural wild. I don't know if it, if you understand as one who does not necessarily follow the ways of nature, but it is incredibly disheartening and, and a conundrum that we are trying to solve. Hubert can't figure it out. <laughs> and I've heard pigs are very smart. You do seem to have your best guy on it. <laughs> I'm still laughing. <laughs> if they could see this token, he's just the happiest hog. He's just so fat and happy. Look at him. Ugh. He is so cute. We're very interested in why the world seems to be getting more and more savage. We were hoping you might have some answers, but it sounds like you're dealing with your own stuff. He says, why don't you, why don't you sit down? We'll chat for a little bit. Maybe you have some information that might help me. You can see that around this altar, there are some benches. Any motions for you guys to sit down? I have been traveling across Via Severia and beyond. I may look pretty young, but I've actually traveled quite a bit. I have noticed, though, I've been drawn to Alaron Barony, to this land, to this area, and especially to here, right around Redlam, where everything seems to have gotten less predictable. Nature is growing. Nature is taking over the animals are returning to a sense of wild and a sense of freedom, but they are not predictable. But it's only here. It's not elsewhere. You mean specifically in Alaron? I'm saying specifically in Alaron. To the west, it is not great, but it's not as bad as Redlam has become in the last few weeks. Well, gee, I think we better go and head out to that temple and see what's going on. Yeah. Well, if, if I may, did you have any ideas on, or any thoughts or perspective on what other force or what possibly could disrupt Sylvanus from being able to have full sway or power? Besides a robot siphoning his power to save his people. <laughs> yes, of course, naturally. I do not. I do not. But Sylvanus is nature, and something that would halt Sylvanus's power can only be unnatural. There are some who believe that maybe it has something to do with arcane powers. Maybe maybe the uh, followers of Aeona are, are correct. Maybe maybe we have 
relied too much on the unnatural arcane. But then there are others who say that arcane powers is just another way of looking at nature, of utilizing nature. But to stop Sylvanus, who is nature, it must be something unnatural. This may sound out of the blue, but have any of your colleagues, any of your order, experienced prophetic dreams or anything related to shared visions? I'm going to make a roll. Any particularly handsome badgers in these dreams? (laughs) (laughs) I have not heard of anything like that happening, at least not for a long time. There are always legends and and stories of people sharing visions and dreams when times are dire. But how much of that is fairy tale and how much that is true? That's a fair point. Well, thank you for giving us your time and allowing us to ask you these questions. By the way, where is the shrine that you vacated? The shrine is outside the city walls. It is, um, if you head to the east side of the city and you leave through the southern gate uh, that takes you through Greenway Village. It's on the far side of Greenway Village. Are you thinking of going there? I think that's where we're headed. We'll take a look at it, just see what's going on. If you feel like maybe there's something you can do, or if you're interested in trying to help us figure it out, um, I'll accompany you. you. You'll need my help at least to get inside. We've erected a barrier uh, to keep people out. And uh, you'll need my power to, to open that barrier. Okay, you can come with us as long as Hubert comes too. Uh, <laughs> I miss my cute animal companion. <laughs> Hubert has um, a cute butt, but it's a different kind of cute butt. <laughs> and quite frankly, he seems like he's really the brains of the operation. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, well, everywhere I go, Hubert comes with me. All right, well... um. I will take you there. If you need to prepare anything beforehand, I cannot vouch for your safety once I drop the barrier. That's okay. We're, we're tough. You don't have to worry about me. Why don't you follow me? So just so I'm hearing right, his name is Arnold, like Arnold without the D? Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> and his favorite line is, what you talking about, Willa? God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, you leave the park here in the sweet quarter. You make your way to the east side of the city. And as you pass through the one of these massive gatehouses that separates the city from the outside world, uh, suddenly you leave cobblestone streets and you step out onto hard-packed dirt. You can see Greenway Village around you. It's basically rows of houses that just uh, surround the road uh, on the north and on the south as that road heads off into the distance into the forest. Greenway Village is small. It is 15 to 20 houses. Uh, There is one larger manor house that you can see, which must be the the home of the the knight who is technically the vassal uh, of the baron who runs Greenway Village. Before long, you are out of Greenway Village and you can see just south of the road, there is this rise, this kind of cliff and you can see that um, this is where Arnold starts leading you to. All right. Hubert is there. Good. Um, oh, good. Thank God. <laughs> All right. Does it worry anyone else that there's a, a black bear wandering around in the middle of a city? No, 
Not really. The druids seem to have him under control. I don't know. He's kind of left. Uh, yeah, I was worried about that myself. <laughs> he's not being supervised anymore. <laughs> I don't really think black bears are known to harm people. They're, they're pretty small. Not adults, but children, surely. <laughs> yeah, the children probably had it coming. <laughs> oh my gosh. Arnold hears you guys talk about this black bear. And he's like, oh no, that's. No, he, he, that's not, he's not really truly a black bear. That's one of my brethren. He uh, just prefers that shape. Ah, uh, uh, yes, uh. a furry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, weird thing about black bears, for I learned this when hunting, um, you know how you play dead when a bear attacks you? That is not true when it comes to black bears, because if a grizzly attacks you, it's probably territorial, and if you play dead, then it'll leave you alone. Um, if it's a black bear, it's going to try to eat you. So you have to fight like heck against those guys. Nice. You guys approach this shrine. It looks old. As you approach, you can see that there are some tumbled down walls. Uh, you can see that this is like tucked in with the, uh, with the pine trees. And you can see that there is this cliff uh, with this cave entrance that is behind this tumbled down building. Uh, very few of the walls are actually still standing. In the center of this building, which is uh, it's probably about 30 feet by 30 feet, maybe 40 feet by 40 feet, you can see that there is an altar that's very similar to the one that you saw over in the park. This one, however, has candles on it that are lit. And surrounding this altar, you can see that there are multiple stone benches uh, lined up around this altar. And in the center of the altar, you can see this small it looks like a stone statue depicting uh, Sylvanus. As you approach this area, you can see that the ground is covered uh, with these brambles and spikes that are three inches long. Uh, this overgrown spiky floor covering. And you can see that the cave entrance itself, actually it looks like those spiny vines have grown up over the entrance to the cave as well. As you approach, Arnold says, this is the shrine to Sylvanus. This is actually uh, just the, I guess you'd call it an antechamber. This is the outside. The, the main shrine is, is, is in that cave. Uh, I can open it for you. I can clear the path of the brambles. Uh, but there's something dangerous down there, and I don't know what it is. Is this what you want me to do? We got to figure this out, I think. I think we need to. I know, but it's Think like... of the badger. <laughs> it's not often that we rush into danger, but there is a mystery here, and perhaps it's worth us investigating further, whether there is danger or not. And there can always be gold where there's danger. <laughs> Let's have that barrier down and see what's over there. All right. Arnold steps forward, and he gets down on his hands and his knees, and he puts his hand carefully into the uh, viney overgrowth around the edge of it. And you see him close his eyes and say a couple of words under his breath. And the vines start to move and flow. And a pathway five feet wide opens in front of you. And it goes straight from where you are, straight to the entrance of the cave. And as you see this, this walkway, this clearing open, you can see that the vines that are covering the cave entrance, they separate and pull back as well up onto uh, kind of the cliff up above. And Arnold says, there, I've 
I've opened the path. I imagine you're going to close it behind us. Listen, I know my limits. I know my strengths. I will accompany you inside as a as a follower, uh, a devotee of Sylvanus. I feel it is my duty and my obligation to try to cleanse this shrine of whatever evil has taken over. But don't count on me to save you from danger. Oh, you needn't worry. That's why we've got our friend Margram here. Yeah, he's a friend. Never mind. It's too terrifying. <laughs> yeah, don't, uh, we don't need to talk about him. <laughs> I can send Hubert with you. He'll help you in any way he can. Is he like, he'll be like our mascot? Or <laughs> is there going to be a puzzle where we have to find truffles? Oh, gosh, <laughs> yes. Can he be emergency rations for us? Hey, Cogram, oh get the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look at that belly, though. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> he is so cute. I love him so much. All right. Okay, so are you guys going to go into the Shrine of Sylvanus? I think it's the best lead for some answers. Roll Tide. All right, after me. You head into the cave. As soon as you step into the cave, you see that the floor uh, drops away. It is carved out of stone. There are these steps that go under the earth. And as you start to head down, you can see that there is actually light ahead. As soon as all of you are on to the steps and inside the cave, Arnold turns around and he closes up the brambles behind you. And then he turns around and he says, so that nobody else follows us to keep everyone else safe. As you step down into the shrine of Sylvanus, you see that ahead as the stairs open up uh, into this room, this room is probably 40 feet by 40 feet. Um, you see that in the center of this room, there is an altar. It's very similar to the altar that was in the, uh, in the park. It is this circular slab that has been built in the center of the room with these four obelisks and this altar set on top of the circular slab. There is a golden statue of Sylvanus surrounded by candles surrounding the room building up the walls of this room you see roots from up above the trees have come down to form this chamber uh, and to clear it out you see that there is this grassy leafy growth al along the walls as well um, even though you are underground you still feel that foresty kind of nature natural feeling uh, at the far end of the room you can see that there is an archway that leads into another chamber you see there are torches that are lit down here. So there's candles on the altar that are lit. There are torches that are set into the floor that are also lit. Um, Arnold uh, actually is going to um, let everybody else lead. He has Hubert up front uh, with Ornan <laughs> and then Guy and Sylvie and Magram. As you step into this chamber at the altar in the center of the room while it is lit it's still it's still subterranean it's still kind of dark and in the shadow you see a figure there is a figure with its back to you that is kneeling down in front of this altar you see that there there is a hand that is placed out on the altar very close to the statue of Sylvanus but not quite touching and you hear 
a whisper. You hear a voice coming from this figure. I would like you all to make perception checks. It's a six for Gee. Woo! Hey, Hornan got a five. Sylvie got a 15. And Mogram got a 13. As you step down in, you see this figure. This figure is medium-sized, so somewhere between five feet and six and a half feet. You can't tell for sure because this figure is kneeling down. Everybody noticed that. Sylvie, you see the hand stretched out. Um, it is dark in here, but somehow you catch a glimpse of liver spots on the hand and on the arm. Old. This is an old arm. Hello, I thought all of the adherents of Sylvanus had, had left the shrine. Watch out for that old ass arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's an ass arm? <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> um, as you say that, Guy, the figure kind of pulls its hand back and says, No, it's a regular arm. <laughs> it's not an ass arm. You're an ass arm. No. The figure pulls its arm back and says, I'm no adherent of Sylvanus, but I still was hoping he could help. You see the figure stand up, does not turn towards you, takes a step over towards the wall, puts its hand out and grasps one of the roots. And then you see this figure's body change so quickly become woody and hard and gnarled and then form into the shape of that root and then is gone out of sight. Is that new, Arnold? Have you seen this man before? I have no clue who that man was. I liked his cool turning into a root trick. Can you do that, Arnold? I am not powerful enough yet to travel by way of plants. But that is something that that druids can do? Some can, yes. I was honestly expecting to come down here and find, like, Audrey 2. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Feed me. All right, well, here you are. Arnold is very on edge. You see Hubert start to go around and sniff at the floor where the, uh, where the figure was. Well, should we take a peek in that back room? Well, first up, Hubert, did you find anything interesting, boy? Arnold's going to step up next to Hubert. He's kind of listening to Hubert, and then he turns back to you and he says, just that the smell is off. Hmm. Well, I can... Uh, I'll, I'll use the toning rod and see if I detect anything. Arnold, watch out. He's going to whip it out right now. <laughs> he busts out his rod a lot. Don't be surprised. It's girthy. He asks for help, and if you help him hold it, it, it seems to work better. <laughs> yes. Arnold, you'll want to close your eyes as I whip out my toning raw. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're going to pull out the toning rod and try to detect magic. Yes. Okay, so you detect um, magic back up the stairs. Uh, that bramble barrier uh, is magic. It is a... Um, uh, conjuration, maybe? Conjuration magic, yes, exactly. 
um, and then you uh, you detect just the slightest hint of magic from where that figure disappeared through the roots of the tree. And uh, that is all the magic that you detect down here. Arnold just, uh, as, he, as you are standing down here, he kind of puts his hand on Hubert and he says, it's, it's just off. Like, it's nature, but it's wild. I will draw my sword. Put my visor down. Orton is going to take a peek into the back room, walk over to the, the doorway. Malgram's going to follow Ornan. Yeah, Sylvie will follow behind. Hubert will follow behind as well. Um, as you peek through the archway, you can see that there is this room. It looks like a sitting room or kind of a gathering room. Uh, it's longer. It's t- like it's longer north to south than it is east to west. But on either side, there's archways, one going to the west and one going to the east. Uh, so it's like this is a kind of a central room where people might gather again the, the walls are built with these uh with these roots there is this greenery that is growing amongst the roots and it feels very earthy but very also like in spite of being in a cave you feel that feeling of forested like you almost smell the forest smells even though you're here in a cave arnold says uh to the left is our library and then to the right is our dormitory all right, well. I think the library... Ornan's going to step into the room, just kind of peek around. Okay. Yeah, you can see that there's a couple of benches there at the north end of this room for people to sit on and talk. Um, there is, uh, as you look to the left, you can see into the library room. You can see there is this uh, sort of a raised platform with a like a desk with a couple of books on it. And you can see that there are these uh, these small shelves that have other books lined uh, lined up on them. Uh, not a huge library, uh, but definitely some repository of knowledge is here in this shrine. Sylvia's going to go check and see what books are laying open. Guy will go with her so she's not alone in that room. As you look in at the book that is open, you can see... Actually, uh, first off, Magram, your passive insight is... Uh, 17. There are torches all over. So this room that you're in right now, Magram and Ornan, uh, it has four torches in it to light up the room. Uh, the library has a couple of torches. These are all lit. And with your insight, uh, as well as with your toning rod out, you don't detect any magic. So these torches had to have been lit by whoever was in here. Sylvie, when you approach this this kind of podium where the book is, it looks like somebody had been reading. It looks like the book that was on there has been closed and set off to the side. And this is a different book. Okay. So it looks like somebody had been potentially like looking through books, looking for information. And the book that is currently open uh, is actually Munster and Commander Cheeses of the World. <laughs> oh my gosh. You remember that book? Oh gosh. The Mating Habits of Flumps. No, it's not that book either. <laughs> the Lusty Argonian Maid. Ooh. <laughs> it's the Kama Sutra. Aha, uh-huh, I knew it. These druids are getting up to some fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. The book is actually a history book. So it's a, a natural history book. It talks about the flora and fauna uh, of the Aleron area, uh, but it goes back hundreds of years, talking about how... Aleron itself, this area has changed over time. And uh, with your quick cursory glance, you see that it's talking about how Aleron was about 300 to 400 years ago. Back when it was Ocleria, 
Any reference to the map? Yeah, any kind of like vibe that would be similar to that map that we found? So you are looking at that book, Ornan and Magram. You hear a noise. You guys are still in the uh, kind of the antechamber, whereas Guy and Sylvie are in the library. Uh, Magram and Ornan, you hear some kind of rumbling coming from the archway to the east, which Arnold said goes to the dormitory. You can actually see from where you're at. It looks like once you go through the archway, you go down some stairs and then the cave kind of turns and heads south. But where you're at right now, you hear some rumbling. Magram, it looks like you are going to start heading into that hallway and you're standing at the top of the stairs. Ornan moves in there as well. And at this point, Hubert moves up. Arnold stays back. We are going to roll initiative. Oh, man. I dig this. It looks like this place was literally digged. Dig dugged. Because it's a a cave. (laughs) Uh, Mogram got a 19. Sylvie got a 10. He got a 16. Ornan got a 5. Woo! Spring break. <laughs> Arnold got a 19. Hubert got a six. You better not let Hubert die. As Ornan and Magram are standing at the top of the stairs, suddenly at the bottom of the stairs, not coming from the cave that kind of veers off to the south, but literally erupting out of the ground, you see this creature. It is large. It has this carapace of chitin on its back. It has these two big claws. It has this furry, but almost insectoid chest uh, hanging down, brushing up against the rock. It looks like it walks on four legs, but can also walk on just two. And it looks up at Magram and Ornan. It looks like a chasm fiend. It totally does. Are we surprised, Paul? You are not surprised. We are going to the top of the initiative with Magram. Magram, as you look at this creature, there's something about its scent, or as it looks up at you, there's something about its eyes, something unnerving. I need you to make a difficulty 15 charisma saving throw. Ooh, okay. Oh, I got a 16. You feel like you want to look away, but you manage to keep your cool. You felt yourself starting to get sidetracked and 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 uh, confused by by this creature, but you get to act normally. Okay, well that's good to know. I think in this place, I feel a little bit safer using a little bit of magic, <laughs> not just reflavored magic, like actual magic this time. Okay. Malgram's going to pull out his symbol of Kelimvor that he kind of keeps under his vest, kind of hidden away. Okay. And he calls out and utters this prayer. Kelimvor, protect the just and and strike down those that would, you know... Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think of something cool he could say. You, you know, you know. <laughs> do the thing you know. that you do. I know you know, and you know that I know you know. <laughs> um, he says, Kelimvor, Lord of Death, strike down the unjust and support us who would see the right and just thing done. And he's going to have this, like, swirling cloud of this ether fly around him and he is casting 
Kelimvor Swirling Ether, and it lasts for 10 minutes. And anything that gets within a 15-foot radius will take 3d8 radiant damage. I think I see what's going on. Yeah. It's a, what is it, Spirit Guardians? Is that what it is? I can't remember. I renamed it, so... I love spirit guardians. Yes. Okay, so does that mean at the beginning of its turn, or does that mean right now as you cast it? When the creature enters the area for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there, it must make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the creature will take 3d8 radiant. On a turn, not necessarily its turn. On a turn, that's true. Any other insight into how this works? I, uh, I defer to you. In Baldur's Gate, if you ran at him, it would immediately do it. But... I don't know if that's rules as written. Yeah, I'm cool either way. Paul, if you'd rather it just be that on his turn, the effect starts up, that's totally fine with me. No, yeah, no, for sure, 100%. It, it, it hits. So uh, he has to make a save? Uh, it's a DC 15 wisdom, yeah. Okay, ruled a natural 18. So wisdom save of 18. Okay, so he would he would take half damage then. And you can see on the tracker that it was 15 radiant damage is what it would have been. So seven radiant damage. Okay. And then half movement, right? If he's within that range as well? Yes, that's right. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Very good. Okay. Magram's turn is up. Arnold's turn is now coming up. He's going to move up just to see what's going on. And he's going to back up further away. He is going to ca- cast a spell, a very basic spell. You see him uh, call on the power of Sylvanus, and then a little fire erupts underneath this creature. He has to make a dexterity saving throw, uh, and that is going to be not enough. He is going to take some damage. Five fire damage. And that brings us now to Guy. Guy, it is your turn. You're way back in the library, so there's basically there's a whole room in between where you and this creature are. But I can see through the door, and I can see... As far as my line of sight, I can see right to it, and I have enough yeah. vision to see it. So I'm actually going to move forward into that antechamber between the two, between the library and the dorms, and um, I'm going to stay in there right next to Arnold, and I'm going to go ahead and launch some arcane bursts. Now, in the random save game, I teased a little bit that now that I shoot two, it looks a little different. So when Gee casts an arcane burst. We've described it before. He kind of holds his hand out in front of him, steadying it as it's shaking, gathering power into this blue, small like, ball of force that then will launch off and, and strike the uh, the enemy. Um, this time as he does it, you can see that there's another form in the same space. It looks like their center is in the same place, but their, their other parts of the body are doing different movements, similar to when he's done the impaling shadow when there's an extra arm with a sword. But there are these arms now that are doing some kind of movement in front of him with a crystal on a string dangling from from a, from a delicate hand. Uh, it's all in amber. And the spectral hand that's come out of Guy's space grabs the crystal and opens the palm. And in the palm, there is this amber crow that then flies off and is a second arcane burst that looks completely different and unique to his first one and then the arm dissipates as this crow will also strike out at this uh, creature in front of Magrum and Ornan. Okay. The first one is a 23 to hit. That'll hit. For 11 force damage. Okay. And then the second one is another 23. Yeah. For 9 force damage. Nice. 
and uh, I'm going to stay right there. Awesome. It is now this creature's turn. This large chitinous creature starts to move forward. It's it's in the uh, the path of Magram's spell. He's going to make another check and see. Uh, this time it's a fourteen, so he's going to take full damage. Nineteen damage. Oh my gosh! Did we win? <laughs> uh, no, not yet. Okay. <laughs> this creature moves up the stairs uh, slowly like it's dragging itself. You hear it like roar and try to get at you and then it comes in and it clobbers you. Uh, It's going to attack you twice with its claws and then it reaches out to try to bite you. So claw, claw. That's going to be 15 or a 17. Do either of those hit you, Magram? Uh, The 17 will hit. Nine damage. Okay. And then he's going to try to bite you. <sighs> Only a 10. I'll take it. <laughs> so it moved 10 feet, which is actually like 20 feet. Its speed is... Oh, okay. It's This is where it is. It is right here. Um, and now it is Sylvie's turn. Sylvie, you are way back in the library. You can see this power emanating around Magram. And you can see this huge, hulking, almost insectoid... Uh, creature coming and trying to attack Magram. Gross. All right. Uh, I think Sylvie will take a few steps forward, so she's closer up to uh, Guy and Arnold, and then she is going to cast her Snowball Swarm at this dude. DC 15. Dex, yeah. It actually rolled a 15, so it saved. So then it will take uh, six damage. Okay. All right. Uh, this thing, it looks like it has taken quite a beating. It is now uh, Hubert's turn. Hubert is going to charge at this creature, and Hubert gets a plus three to this attack. That is going to be a seven. <laughs> Hubert oh, no. cannot get through the kite. Um, <laughs> all right. And that brings us now to the last on the initiative order. That is Ornan. All right. Let's see what I can do. I'm gonna attack with the war pick. Okay. A 20 to hit. Uh, that will hit, yeah. Okay, the first one uh, does seven damage. I'm gonna come at him again. I get two attacks per action. 23 to hit. That'll hit. For 10 piercing damage. Nice. I'm also going to. Everybody else is using magic, right? Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> to do the skeletal <laughs> brand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ornan's fiery skeletal hand appears, and he brands him, dealing 2d6 fire damage, which is another 7 damage. And then he has to make a strength DC 14 save, or be restrained for a minute. All right, his strength save was a 4 plus 5. That's a 9 strength save. <laughs> oh, oh, my nice. gosh. Restrained? Yeah, restrained. It can uh, make the save at the end of each of its turns. And while it's restrained, it takes another 2d6 fire every turn. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, level five is something else, isn't it? So on its turn, it will take the 3d8 from me plus the 2d6 from you. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. (laughs) That's my turn. Awesome. That is your turn, and as we roll around to the end of the initiative, at initiative two, 
bursting up out of the ground in the entry chamber. There is a second one of these creatures, massive, and it is its turn, and it comes rushing towards Arnold. Oh, no. He's going to make a claw attack. That's going to be a 17 to hit, dealing 10 damage. And then it's going to make another claw attack. That's gonna that's gonna hit again. That's gonna be a, a a fourteen to hit, and dealing eleven damage. And it is going to make one mandible attack, and that's definitely going to hit. And this is oh jeez, not gonna end well. That is only gonna be eleven Ormond damage. Is going to redirect that mandible attack back at the other creature. Oh my gosh, <laughs> eleven damage goes back to the first creature um, and you manage to keep Arnold alive with six hit points. <laughs> oh, jeez. And now we are back up to the top of the round with Magrim. Magrim, I'm going to need you. Oh, shoot. I totally forgot. You were supposed to take... Um, okay, Ornan, I forgot, but I still need you to do it now. Um, you got your turn. I need you to make a uh, charisma saving throw difficulty 15. Is it a spell? Because if it's a spell as a uh, gnome, I get advantage. Uh, no. I got a two. Oh, no. <sighs> so you shouldn't have been able to do your move, but you did already. So um, you can avert your eyes, but then you have disadvantage on all your attacks. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So am, am I good to go? You are good to go, um, Magrim. Uh, you can avert your eyes or you can make the save. I will I will try to make the save. It's a charisma save again. Yes, charisma save. Difficulty 15. Ooh, nat 20 for a 23. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, with a nat 20, you are immune to this feeling that these creatures uh, give off. <laughs> nice. I've seen way worse. I mean, I've boiled <laughs> pee for crying out loud. Um <laughs> So I'm going to quickly shoot a Hemexton Venom Dart at the creature that is, like, immediately in front of me. Okay. For some reason, it has to make a DC 15 wisdom save. <laughs> okay. That's going to be a 10. Okay. So it'll take 2d12 necrotic damage because it's already been damaged for 12 damage. Bing! As you shoot it with this dart, it rears up and roars and then falls backwards down the stairs and is lying on its back. You see its arms and legs curl up like when you have like a dead beetle or something and its legs curl up. Uh, so it is now laying there dead on the ground. Nice. I am now going to move 10 feet back into the other room towards the other creature so that way it's in the area of effect of the Kelimvor ethereal uh, aura. Beyblades. Magrim seems like the kind of guy who would have a dead beetle collection too, by the way. Yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. Okay, so you don't need to make that save because I already said that you're immune to these creatures' gaze, but now he has to make a wisdom save. Yeah, another DC 15 wisdom save. That's a, that's a failure. That's a seven. So go ahead and deal some more damage. Okay, 3d8. So 11 damage. Okay. And then for my bonus action, I'm going to quickly pull out one of my darts and shoot a slightly larger dart at our friend Arnold and heal him for nine points of healing. Nice. Nice. Okay, and that's it. Now it is Arnold's turn. Arnold is going to 
You see in his hand, uh, he's got like a stick. You see him say some words over it and suddenly the stick just kind of gets more gnarly and bulbous on the end and he reaches over to smack this creature as best he can. But first he has to make a charisma saving throw uh, and he fails. So instead (laughs) he rolls a D8 and he is going to stand still and not do anything. Oh, jeez. Guy, it is now your turn. Are you going to look at this creature and risk the charisma save? Out of everybody here, I think I have the best chance of passing it. But let me just say, let me just say that had Arnold just disengaged and run away because he was almost dead, I had a really cool move that I have not been able to do yet. And I really wanted to do in the random save game too. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to avert my gaze. I'm going to bonus action, reach out and touch Sylvie. And I'm going to send her between to the very north part of this room, away from this creature. God damn it. Okay, cool. You wanted to be closer? I was going to thunderstep away from him next turn, but all right, cool. Oh, sorry. I'm going <laughs> to totally, I'm going to quite literally steal your thunder. I'm going to, I'm going to grab Arnold. I'm going to thunderstep into the library. God damn oh, gosh, you. Straight right, back to the door. Okay, with Arnold. So he moves, Arnold moves with you. Um, for me, it's called tear between. Okay, awesome. Very cool. And so uh, constitution save is what he needs to make? Yep, con 15. Con 15. He rolled a 17. Dang it. Well, he takes half of 11, so only 5 damage. Alright. Uh, that is now going to be... That one's dead. Sylvia, it's your turn. Are you going to avert your eyes? Wait, is she not far enough away yet? Uh, it's 30 feet, my oh, friend. Oh, jeez. Okay. No reason to even do it. So you're not you're not averting your eyes. No, I'm not going to avert my eyes. I'm going to try to go for it. Let's see what okay, we got. Okay, well then that means that you need to make a charisma save. And that is a 19. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you have a charisma save with a plus one and you're like, I'm going for it. And you still <laughs> made it. All right, very good. Okay. Hell yeah. Uh, and then so I am going to... Uh, throw another snowball storm at him, and that's a 15 dex. Okay, uh, that's a, an 11 dex, so he's failed. Okay, so that is going to do 13 damage. Okay. Awesome. It is now Hubert's turn. Hubert is going to make a charisma save <laughs> with a natural 18. What's his charisma? Minus oh. 3. He made it! <laughs> he made it! <laughs> yeah! Oh boy. Hubert made it. <laughs> that is one charming pig. That is some pig. Uh, He is going to uh, charge at this creature again. Got a plus three to this attack. That's only going to be a 13. He still missed. (laughs) But he made his charisma save. He gets an A for effort, though. I mean, look at that guy. Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, Ornan, it is your turn. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got to roll a D. Well, uh, let's see here. Uh, actually, no, he doesn't, because that was the other creature that made him this condition. So he is now free of that condition. But I need to know if you're going to avert your eyes this time or if you're going to go for it. Uh, oh, man, I'm just going to go in. I'm going to run in, averting my eyes. Okay, so disadvantage on these attacks. Yep, I'm, I'm eyes averted. My first one is a 14 to hit. That will miss. My second one, oh, no, is an 11 to hit. That will also miss. I'm going to spin the shaft and try it again. Okay. This time I'm coming with the hammer side. Oh my gosh. Nine 
or a, oh, a nat 20, but then I got a 10 on the other. Okay, yeah. a 10, so also a miss. All misses. All right. Well, hopefully he attacks me instead of other people. That's, that was part of the goal, too. Well, it is now his turn. Uh, he's got two targets to choose from right next to him. He's got Ornan, and he has got Hubert. You leave Hubert alone. <laughs> leave him alone. <laughs> does he need to do his, uh, his wisdom save? Oh, yes, he does. Thank you. Uh, he made it with a 16. Okay, so he'll take half of 11, so five damage. Okay. Odds, it is Ornan evens, it's Hubert. Hubert? Don't you Why would you do that? Dare. Why would you do oh, that? Hubert, no. No. Okay, actually, well, okay so the first, here, the first attack is Hubert, and that's definitely going to hit, and that's going to be oh, no. 10 damage. Jeez. Hubert is still standing. Hubert. <sighs> Hubert is still standing with one hit point left. The next attack is coming towards Hubert. No! That's no! <laughs> You're going to kill him outright! Critical, that is a critical hit. Why would you do that this, to him? Why would I do that? I didn't do it. This monster did it. <laughs> this monstrosity reaches over, and I am going to roll the damage because I am sadistic. Uh, that is going to be 18 damage. Um, this creature... Uh, I don't want to be too graphic. Hubert is torn in half. He makes pork chops out of him. Oh. And then with the mandible attack, it is coming towards Ornan. That is going to be a 14 to hit. That will miss. Okay. That is its turn. Magrum, it's your turn. You are immune to this creature, so you do not have to make the save anymore because you already rolled a natural 20 earlier in the combat. Must be nice. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we'll we'll go ahead and toss some Hemexton Venom at this one, too. So a DC 15 wisdom save. That's going to be a natural 17, which is a 17 wisdom save. Okay, so he would take nothing from my Hemexton Venom. Okay. And then with my bonus action, we're going to summon the Hinky Punk. Uh-oh. Bringing out the big guns. Why would you do that, Margaret? <laughs> it's going to get weird, guys. And Hinky Punk will go ahead and make an attack at this thing. Okay. Oh, a nat one for an eight to hit, so nothing. All right. After Magrum, it is Arnold's turn. Arnold is uh, confused. He is going to make a roll. Uh, he is going to move straight south and run into the wall here in the library. Good news, he's out of sight of this creature. Uh, bad news, he is uh, running into a wall. All right, Guy, it is your turn. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to look at this guy. Okay. Christmas save? Yep, make Christmas save. Difficulty 15. I got a 22. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and throw out a charged arcane burst right in front of him so that it will hit him and the surrounding area, but not any of my allies, and especially not Hubert's corpse. Okay. So that is going to be a DC 15 con save. Or it takes 25 thunder oh, damage. Oh, nice. Holy moly. Okay, DC 15. All right, that's a 12. So 25 thunder damage. Holy cow. Yeah. Big hit. All right, this thing looks uh, looks like it's bleeding. All right. Anything else you're going to do, Guy? Uh, that, that's it for my, for my turn. All right, Sylvia, it is your turn. Are you going to avert your eyes? I can still move if I avert my eyes, right? Yes, you can. You just can't see it. So no spells that require you to see something. Cool. So I'm going to move forward a bit closer towards this thing. And then I am going to do 
a thunder wave attack. So I don't actually have to okay. look. I just have to cast it. And that is a, a 15 constitution. That's going to fail. That's uh, only going to be a 7 or an 8. An 8. Awesome. So that is going to be 20 thunder damage and uh, oh my knock gosh. him back a little nice. bit if uh, possible. 10 feet away. 10 feet back. It's now in the archway. It is no longer in Mogram's radius. Uh, but yeah, you knock him back into the archway. Uh, he is hurting. All right. Uh, anything else you want to do, Sylvie? Oop. Okay, we're going to skip Hubert. <laughs> For his action, he bleeds. <laughs> oh. All right, Ornan, it is your turn. Are you going to avert your eyes or are you going to risk the charisma save? I'm going to look straight on. Oh, man. I only got a 12, though. Okay. All right. Why don't you roll us a D8? It was brave of you, though. I'm proud of you. It was brave. It was stupid, but it was brave. I got a five. With a five, you take no action, but you use all your movement to move in a random direction. So why don't you roll a 10-sided die, and we'll start left corner and go around. It's a three that you got? Yep. Okay, you're going to move up into this corner. Uh, So you move northwest, uh, and you kind of run into a wall. And that's where you're at. All right. That's my turn. And it is now this creature's turn. Let's see. Does it want to go for Magram again? Or is it going to go for Sylvie? We are going to roll. Odds it's Sylvie. Evens it's Magram. It's coming for you, Sylvie. Uh, Why don't you... It's going to make a wisdom save, though, as it moves through the um, Spirit Guardians. It fails. So how much damage does it take? It'll take nine damage. Nine damage. This creature is so close to death, but Sylvie, it comes after you. It is going to attack you twice with claws and once with a bite. Oh, gosh. Here are the claw attacks. 20 or a 25. Do those hit you? Yeah, those will do (sighs) you. That is going to be 20 damage right off the bat. Okay, I'm not doing well. Ouch. And here is the bite attack. All right, let's do it. That's going to be 22. Okay. And that is going to be... Another 11 damage. Oh. I have one hit point. <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh. You hit me for 31 nice. damage, and I'm at, I have 32. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Magram, it's your turn. What are you going to do? All right. Uh, Magram is going to rush up to Sylvie. Okay. It made its wisdom save because you because it moved out of your, out of your radius, and then you moved it right back in. So he made a wisdom save of 17. Okay. So he'll take... Seven damage, and then as you uh, rush up to Sylvie to go and, and help her out, you uh, you see this swirling power surrounding you. It hits this creature, engulfing it, and you see it start to shrivel up and roll over onto its back. And with a final like shriek and squeal of cracking carapace and chitin, it rolls over onto its back and dies. And we are going to well, first finish your turn. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah, give me some of that sweet, sweet HP. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a level two bandage and medical kit on Sylvie to heal her for um, 13 points of healing. Fantastic. And, and Hinky Punk is going to rush forward and try to eat the soul of that <laughs> thing before it fully dies. <laughs> and at that moment, we are going to cue victory music. Was Hinky Punk able to get any of the leftover Hubert soul? 
I don't know if he was fast enough, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so here you are in this shrine of Sylvanus. As soon as this creature dies, all of the confusion goes away. Uh, we have Guy and their new ally Arnold, the, the druid, uh, in the library. We have Magrim and Sylvian Ornan in this uh, in this central chamber, surrounded by death. We have a dead hog, Hubert, uh, lying in a pool of its own blood, and that is where we're going to stop for tonight. <sighs> wow! All right, you guys. Hey, yeah, something weird is going on here in the Shrine of Sylvanus. Uh, next time, maybe we'll get some answers. But until then, go check us out on Discord. Come chat with us. Come share some of your theories about what you think might be going on. Also, don't forget, uh, we have a Patreon with some bonus content out there. You can see this beautiful map of the interior of the Shrine of Sylvanus that I made. It's gorgeous. And the token for Hubert. Uh, I can put that up there, too. Gone but not forgotten. (laughs) Yeah. And until we get together next time. I'm sure we we can cook something up with it, buddy. (laughs) 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 We hope you have a great time.